what's up, everything? The Blues battled through two tough games this week before the return of Oscar Sundquist led them to a 4-2 victory over the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk about all of that, then we'll touch on two head coach firings, Alex Petrangelo trade rumors, and Robbie Fabry's red-hot start with the Detroit Red Wings. We've got all that to cover and more, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Thursday, Friday, December 13th. I think mm. I was so scared of Friday the 13th that I tried to pretend, but it's Friday. There's no pretending. <laughs> nope, we're already doomed. Uh, we are here coming to you from our magical and seasonal studios on Candy Cane Lane, mm-hmm. wherever you would like that to be. Namely, Murdoch Avenue or Street or whatever you call it, uh, south right. of the hill. That's right. In St. Louis. Go check it out. It's wonderful. I'm pretty sure every major city has some candy cane mm. land. But well, not we Winnipeg. have ours. Winnipeg that's doesn't right. have a candy cane lane. It doesn't cane even lane. have an airport. Yeah, How can it possibly have a enough. candy cane lane? You, Little known fact, Santa skips Winnipeg. That's right. He, he just, doesn't even know it's how, there. That's how it gets around the world. He can't land there, so what's yeah, going to Where am I going to go? <laughs> we are uh, excited to talk about some Blues games tonight. Uh, Ian, how are you doing overall? How's I'm doing life? good. I'm, I'm glad to see the Blues pull out of a three-game losing skid because I think they said we hadn't seen one of those since... Baruby's last... Baruby's first game was the last game of our oh. last one. <laughs> and then if we had lost against Vegas, we didn't have a four-game losing streak since spring of 2018, oh, wow. which yeah. seems impossible. That was the weird thing about how bad we were to start last year is we were really bad, but like we never like just skidded out of control, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. Very strange. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, I've got a, I'm coming down from, I'm mostly over a cold, but I keep the congestion for like three and a half months. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you hear me sniffling or coughing, I apologize. Just in, advance, in time for allergies. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's no rest. Uh, that's, that's the Friday the 13th curse. What can I say? Plugged up. <laughs> Uh, folks, we are going to uh, do things a little bit different today. We're going to change the order around. We're, Ian, we're about to enter our second decade of the Two Guys One mm. Cup podcast. Did I call it Two Guys No Cup at the beginning? I think I did. Probably. Oh, well, I'm not going back now. But uh, um, yeah, we are about to enter our second decade of this podcast. Which, by the way, folks, uh, subscribe, uh, review if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. I hear podcasts say that all the time. Uh, those podcasts are more successful than us so mm-hmm. maybe we should say it more often <laughs> i also hear podcasts of lots of advertisements so check out <laughs> yeah, so check out casper mattress please feel free to beg us to advertise yeah. your product well we have no standards we'll advertise literally anything that weird mm-hmm. weird seedy lingerie den on manchester road across from the now abandoned uh, steak and shake we'll do it We'll do it. Don't think we won't. Come Dr. Up. John's, Uncle John's, whatever the hell your name is. Don't think we Come won't. Come to us with a sack of money. It can be just pennies. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Used pennies. <laughs> we'll do anything. We have no standards. So, uh, But 
we are changing our ways a little bit and that we're just gonna we're gonna mess with the order a little bit and uh, uh we're gonna start with the games tonight and just mm. go through those try to do them a little bit differently i feel like some of our episodes get bogged down with long discussions of games that the people listening to this probably already watched the first mm-hmm. time, and uh, we have fun doing that, but we're going to try something different, and if you find folks at home have feedback, don't hesitate to let us know. One star. Uh, yeah. We uh, we are on, um, uh, we're both on uh, Venmo, mm-hmm. and you're welcome to send us feedback there in the form <laughs> of money. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you if you guys have things you want to hear or things you like don't like about the show besides us we will get better but Mm, eventually we'll just be replaced (laughs) but um yeah so we're gonna start with the games tonight which means uh going all the way back in the Wayback machine to um our game against the the tampa toronto maple leafs i almost called them the tampa maple leafs (laughs) on saturday night the same the saturday (laughs) night six o'clock start the saturday night uh hockey night in canada sans don cherry so uh, these games never seem to go well for us, but they did have the awesome, uh, Layla piece for Sportsnet, oh, yeah. which I thought was cool. That Was that also the night they did the Patrick Bergwin piece in the second intermission? I think Perhaps. it might have been, which I haven't watched the whole thing, but, um... That's a powerful night of hockey yeah, television. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I still feel a little icky about the whole Patrick Bergwin situation. I mean, I'm obviously glad we have Ryan O'Reilly and won the cup, mm-hmm. but it does suck that he had to get real real royally screwed <laughs> to make that happen. Yeah, that's going to be one of those things that we, I think we as Blues fans will slowly forget about, and then when you have to look back at it and go, how do we get O'Reilly again? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but hey, hey, good times, uh, nothing but happiness in this game until we talk about the game itself, which was brutal. Um, the, the Leafs won this one five to two. We never were in it really, even though we tied it. We were in it right at the beginning. Yeah. We were in it. I was like right at, like right in the very opening seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. I had box seats from a employer. I have many employers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my, one of my uh, well endowed <laughs> uh, employers, because they have lots of money. Yeah, right. right, uh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and huge payrolls. Yeah, sums of cash. <laughs> but uh, we got into the box there, and Toronto had already scored. And then Barbashev scored while I was still getting my chicken nuggets. That's right. I ate the chicken nuggets because, you know what? The hot dogs were a little on the cold side. Also, ain't nothing wrong with chicken nuggies. Yeah. Nobody's ever turned their nose up at chicken nuggets. I I challenge anyone to find me a food more universally accepted than chicken nuggets. I don't think there is one. Nobody's. It's all natural. (laughs) Other than vegetarians, there is no one who's like, you know what, just don't like them. And to be fair to them... (laughs) Not really meat either. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Uh, so you're all in the queer. Yeah, Hyman scored 250 and um, he just shot it through Bennington. It was not a good look for Bennington. This was not a good night for Bennington. Arguably the worst start of his career. Certainly the worst regular season start yeah. of his career. Yeah. But here's the thing, as we'll talk about later, he bounces right back. And that's mm-hmm. one of the qualities that makes him so valuable. Uh, you talked about the Barbashev answer. Uh, that was after Bozak chipped it in and Thomas wins the fight. Thomas has points in three straight, by the way, but all three of these games. Uh, he made a nice pass to Barbashev. He sniped it from behind the circle off the far 
post. Let's talk about Ivan Barbashev for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's been real good. <laughs> yeah, his last year's last year's <laughs> last year's. I don't know the math anymore. I think it's last year's last year's. Yeah, last year's. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, or I guess just last year's because he was good last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked he's about good. him last year. He's good. We talked about him last season. Um, he's got 15 points in 33 games now. He has. Um, Cooled off a little bit from when he was really red hot, but he has uh, two points in his last three games and had that period where he had six points in three games um, a, a week or so ago. And yeah, or that was right at the end of November. Yeah, he's just, he is such a valuable player. He's not, you know, he's not quite Sunquist who we'll talk about, but mm. he is just able to slot in pretty much anywhere and do pretty much anything and that every team in the league would kill to have a guy like that and we've got him and he's very affordable mm-hmm. and that's cool uh the Leafs answered right after his goal unfortunately Austin Matthews is really good he dragged and sniped in a cocaine heartbeat and the fact is he's one of the best pure shooters in the league right now and nothing really you can do about that uh, it was through fox legs and under bennington's pads but you know what are you gonna do uh they got a shorthanded goal by zach hyman and uh that was after shin made a bad backwards pass and perron made a worse one right to pierre ingval ingval and hyman were on the breakaway two on oh ingval to hyman for the easy goal nathan walker held them jason spezza got a power play goal it was yike uh the leafs won the face off in their zone riley handled it, passed over to Spets on the point, who slapped and scored. Baruby pulled Bennington for Allen there, um, and the Blues had a feckless power play to end the period. And the first period ended with the Blues, some of them Canadians themselves, uh, being embarrassed on national television four to one. And from there, I mean, do you have anything to say about the first period? Your general feeling from the box seats? Thank God it's a box seat. Yeah, you didn't pay. Didn't pay. You're a well fed. Of money. You're well yeah. uh, lubricated socially. Not yeah, you know, yeah. but um, <laughs> well endowed. <yeah. laughs> I gotta tell you, this, this, this employer of mine bankroll. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, I was ready. I was saying, let's leave. Let's. Let's leave. Is what oh, you I just said. wanted to leave after like, the first. I was like, "We'll stick around for the second. We'll uh-huh. see how it goes. Then we'll leave, uh, you know, in the third. And then, did you in fact do that? Or? No, I oh, left okay. at the end of the game. Okay. <laughs> Every time I'm like, we're, le- "We're leaving in two minutes if this doesn't improve." And I'm like, eh, "We're leaving in another two minutes if this doesn't improve." Actually, the little pee wee game in between the first and second period brought uh, life to my heart, oh, and there we I go. said, "I'm staying. That's good. I'm staying for the I like kids. Like <laughs> kids want me. Uh, it's." It sucked because I didn't feel like the Blues were going to bounce back from this. I thought, <laughs> to, yeah, I thought to myself the same thing I've thought to myself in years when the Blues were awful, beginning of last year. I thought, it's 4-1. Will the Blues score three goals and also keep the Maple Leafs mm-hmm. off the board? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, that's, impo- I, that's impossible to me, right? To me, with that team right then and there, I was like, that's impossible. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Let's talk about that in a little mm-hmm. more detail after the Leafs, or after the Sabres game, because I think that is an important point to linger on. Uh, second period, not a lot to talk about. Matthews gets another one after a weird bounce off of Barbashev's skate, falls right to his backhand. Uh, that was on the power play. 
Um, that was a weird, it just like bounced all the way to the side mm-hmm. of Alan and Matthews just got the stick on it. And then it was, of all the goals, that was the flukiest and weirdest yeah. looking one. Samford had that giveaway on the first uh, goal. And mm-hmm. so we thought that he was sent to the nether region in the typical Berubayan fashion. To the shadow realm. And Jacob Delarose was moved up with O'Reilly and Perron, which... That I mean, I like Jacob Delarose. We'll talk about him more in a little bit, but that is a whew, that is not <laughs> you don't want Jacob Delarose on your second line. But uh, Samford he and, is not Ivan Barbashev. <laughs> Samford is in fact was hurt and has remained hurt. So you know, just add it to yeah. the wheel of injuries, I guess. The wheel but, of bodies turning right. into the wheel of injuries. Um. Matthews took a wrister that went up off a stick and hit Thomas in the neck and face. Uh, fortunately, he was okay, albeit a little shaken up. In the third period, Brower and Dermot got in a fight. Steve Dangle got really pissed. Some people got pissed at Steve Dangle. Some people said some things about Steve Dangle that they shouldn't have said. And the Blues scored a meaningless goal two minutes in off David Perron's 12th of the season, assisted by Petrangelo and O'Reilly. Uh, Perron tipped and oh, a Petrangelo shot from the point and the game ended 5-2. to two. So, the feel of this game. This mm-hmm. is a game where a couple of bad breaks went against the Blues in the early going, but then they showed some of their flaws by displaying their total inability to crawl back in the game after a couple of unfortunate bounces. Um, and mm-hmm. I think we can just table that and talk about the Sabres game and then talk about that trend as, <laughs> like as, they're a, one in the as same. a whole unit. But um, uh, the heat map, not great defensively here. We've got the usual blob right by the circle or right by the crease. Another blob in the circle that Matthews is probably shooting from a lot over there. And then some, you know, in the center of the uh, defensive area of the of the zone. Just not a lot great there and uh um blues actually this is one of their most even games in terms of Corsi, uh which was 50.4 to 49.5 and uh high danger chances which were eight to eight uh so this was actually you know there really is truth Mm -hmm. to the a couple of bad breaks uh broke this one open for Mm -hmm. the maple leafs it's just the fact as we'll talk about shortly that this is not a potent team that can score a lot of goals if they're already dug in deep. So do you have anything more to say about That's, that game or your experience in the box? Uh, I love the box. So endowed. <laughs> I love the box. Jamie Ben, not a fan of the box. No, that's right. That's right. Um, but I love it. Um, who knew being in a suite of the Blues would have so many sexual innuendos? In your that's endo, right. Steve. That's right. <laughs> um Corsi 4 in the third period was the one thing that annoyed me the most. Is like, you're the team that's down 5-1. Uh-huh. Are you going to make a possession push? Are you going to make any sort of push? And the fact that they were at, uh, what is this, 42%, essentially 43%, is disheartening. Yeah, this doesn't... We can, we can go to the Buffalo Sabres game. game the same thing. just doesn't seem like a team that has that next gear right now. Mm-hmm. But um, then they showed some of that in the... Golden Knights game, so there's a lot to talk about. So yeah, let's go ahead and go to Buffalo. This was on uh, the Tuesday? It was Tuesday of this week, right? Mm-hmm. Saturday to Tuesday, yeah. Um, in Buffalo, 6 o'clock start again, 6.30 start, something weird. Uh, but after <laughs> all our protesting and, and uh, 
lengthy, lengthy complaining. Doug Armstrong listens to the podcast. Pretty much undeniable at this point, I would say. Hello, Doug. Um, and after, you know, Sanford's injury, which was probably only a, a, a minor, minor yeah. factor in the whole procedure. Uh, the Blues did finally call up Jordan Cairo and Austin Pagansky, uh, whom they had um, sent down over the weekend, right before the Toronto mm-hmm. game. Um, and uh, both were set to, well, I mean, Cairo had already made his, but both were set to enter the game, meaning Pagansky got his NHL debut. And um, you can't take that away from him, so good for him. <laughs> you can't. You uh, can try, but you can't. <laughs> Jake Allen got the start in this one because it was a road game, and he's Jake Allen. Uh, and Linus Olmark, Linus Olmark, got the opposing net, and the Sabres scored 18 seconds in, and the game was over. Uh, uh, this was just another great start by the Blues. High flipper gets down to Reinhardt, who fed it in front, and Olafson tipped it in. I mean, it's not like, this one isn't like exactly anyone's fault, mm-hmm. but it just can't happen 18 seconds into a game you know i talked about it and we'll see they had such a shitty start to the leafs Uh game yeah such a shitty start that this was just like really yeah i mean the the one before that too hadn't we allowed a really early goal yeah against the penguins yeah Yeah, so and this is one of those things too where like i know we feel it as fans and you're like oh they're professional athletes you know they they got under control no, you got it. I'm sure they feel the same way. They've seen it before mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, we get square on early, but we still win. But that's still got to be a little flashback. And you're like, oh, shit. Yep. Really? Yep. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And I said in a tweet, and we'll see as we go through this, um, three worst goals to allow in hockey are early period goals, late period goals, and quick answering goals, and we covered all three bases in this game, <laughs> so go us. Uh, Troy Brower, did I misspell that? Is he a... Troy, Troy, Troy Brower? Troy Brower, like a, bit, different, a different Troy, a different Brower. Troy younger, Brower. Younger Troy, Troy Brower. Brower. Not 15-16 Troy Brower traded for TJ No, Oshie, an, right? an up-and-coming 23-year-old Troy oh, Brower. Okay, okay. Different so guy. So good, I... I don't remember him on the prospect pyramid, this but one's I'm just going to go with this it. This one's from Kamloops. Okay, okay, good, 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 good. So not the other Troy Brower, because that would have been... Steven, why would we have signed? Yeah, why, why, why would, would we have, have signed done that? That'd be fucking stupid. 2019-2020, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So some other Troy Brower gets his first goal, I guess, of his career. Go so congratulations him. off Ivan Barbashev and Robert Thomas. I hope he sticks. I do too. You know, I love I love the young kids. Like I'm shamelessly, I'm prospect obsessed. I can't I can't say that enough. So good for this new. But you weren't aware new... of this, Troy Brown. <laughs> Sometimes, Some you know, do. you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Thomas had the long feed uh, in along the boards. Barashev chased it down behind and threw it in front for new, new, new Troy Brower to knock into the swat into the net. From ironically, a, a similar position on the opposite side of where the other Troy Brower, who was a very different Troy Brower, scored uh, the iconic goal against the Chicago Blackhawks, which this Troy Brower, being so young and new, might not even have ever seen or heard about. Yeah. So, you know, he's only known the Blues as a Stanley Cup champion. He doesn't know our pain. In any case, uh, <laughs> the second period, the Sabres scored uh, with literally nine seconds left in the period. I took no other notes but this. Um, Johan Larson 
assisted by Zappy Goshen and Jimmy VC. I will tell you, I think this was the day that I was super sick. The one day of this cold that I felt like I wanted to die, which usually I feel like that for a couple days. So I guess that's an improvement, although I feel like this one day was heightened. Uh, but uh, I slept through most of this period, which I never do. But I was like dozing, you know, kind of drifting in and out. Mm. Uh, and I think it's because the ga- the game was boring. Uh, but it was one-to-one, and then we allowed this with nine seconds left in an otherwise pretty good period. Uh, this was a fluky goal because of the timing and the weirdness of the bounce, but also Vince Dunn totally forgot his man, and Vince Dunn, whom we love, has had a couple of bad looks lately. Mm-hmm. I'd really like for him to stop doing that because these guys are making us look bad when all the statistics and their actual skill level suggest they're very good players, and then they do boneheaded <laughs> shit like this. So please stop, Vince. That's your message yeah. from the friendly two guys one cup podcast they're screwing with our message that's right that's right um fall in line <laughs> third period goals from alex petrangelo 352 in his seventh of the season his hundredth career goal uh david perron's really good at hockey now Ian. Mm. I don't, he is i know we've talked about it but he is a fully different player uh they've talked some about the stick blade change he did mm. i think from marcia marcia's stick mm. uh when he arrived in vegas and all I can say to that is every player should be messing with their equipment a lot more frequently if it can unlock this much better a player. Like, and that's no insult to the David Perron that there was before. You know, mm. the David Perron before was a very serviceable middle six winger, but David Perron now is like a point per every game, pretty much short of player. I think so. I was looking at his stats, and I think right now he's on pace for a career year by by a point or two, but I think he's looking at 67, 68. 67, 70, somewhere in there, yeah. Um, But this, again, the immediate answer and goal by Ja'Kai Cole. (laughs) I hate Ja'Kai Cole. (laughs) And this was was the one we're tentatively going to call Robert's Mistake. (laughs) Um, Ja'Kai Cole's goal, uh, Robert's Mistake. (laughs) Uh, Reinhardt and Olafson get the assists on this, but this was really, uh, wow, yikes. He was behind the net, and then Robert Thomas just, you know, had an ADD moment, must have seen a squirrel or something shiny on the ice, thought he saw a happy penny, and uh, Jack Eichel, who is also, like Austin Matthews, among the uh, wickedest pure goal scorers in the league, just gets to skate in front and roof one past Jake Allen. And that was the game-deciding goal. So not not a great look for Robert, <laughs> whom we love. Uh, not a great look for Vince Dunn, whom we love. Not a good game overall for the two guys. No mm-hmm. one cup podcast. I was dying of illness. I don't remember what you were doing this during this game. I watched game, this but... whole game, so oh, I also so was good. dying of illness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had some decent chances in the middle of the period. Awful sloppy play later in the period. Perron had a good chance, but on a poor opportunity. And Gergen and Eichel buried empty netters in the final minute to make this 5-2 game, which, honestly, usually I would say this was really a 3-2 game that was looked like a 5-2 game. Eh, 5-2 feels right. Uh, that didn't feel about right. <laughs> but it didn't feel maybe, like maybe we were four, a goal two, away. But Yeah, it didn't feel like this was a one-goal game. This is, as we mentioned, the Blues' first three-game losing streak since the one that ended with Berube's debut last season. Uh, and as you tweeted out so confidently on the Twitter device at Two Guys One Cup, if anyone wants to follow, Give it a follow. Us, uh, it's almost like a team that overperformed with all the injuries coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, and uh, 
we have talked about that, and we'll probably talk about that more. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Blues have two big problems, or had two big problems during this stretch. They start sloppy, mm-hmm. and they do not have the firepower to make up for sloppy starts. When you're the yeah. when you're the Maple Leafs and you start sloppy and then you can run Austin Matthews and John Tavares twenty four minutes a night, you're at least in every game, mm-hmm. you know. But when you start crappy for this team, when you're a goal down in the hole to begin with, you don't have the guy you can call on that just says, "Okay, make us a goal." We mm-hmm. don't have that. Maybe Jordan Cairo becomes that. He's gotten some great opportunities so far, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But yeah, talk about the team a little bit and just like, I don't know, I feel hopeless when we're down late in the game. Mm. I feel like not a chance, not a chance. And we've seen some where they do it, but I'm never expecting it. Mm. And I just feel like, especially if it's a multiple goal lead, bye. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think we're catching up anymore. uh, Yeah, I mean, that was my feeling in this game. Did you feel any differently? No, I mean, I felt like that too, especially because watching this team play throughout the game, the Sabres looked faster. The Sabres forecheck gave the Blues fits all night long. I noticed we couldn't hold on to the puck very well in our own zone uh-huh. when we were trying to recover it. And also, I don't know what they were doing, what the Sabres were doing in the neutral zone, but whatever it was, it was working. Because the, <laughs> we would go in there, we would lose the puck there too, or we felt like we had to chip in and we would never win board battles uh, on our own forecheck. So it, it felt like we were chasing the entire game. So again, like kind of like you were saying, 3-2. to two, But because we were literally chasing, not just in score, but the puck the whole time, it felt like there's no way. It's got to be a flute goal, and we got to pretty much have two flute goals to make it past this team. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Yeah, the way the game unfolded, it was like, okay, the Petrangelo goal was our equalizer. Mm-hmm. That was our chance to that, be like... That was the statement goal. Yeah. <laughs> and it was... Too early, too late. It was our chance to kind of take over and, you know, grind them down and find one more either in overtime Mm. or regulation, you know, and just sneak out with a 3-2 win. And as soon as we allowed that Eichel one, which granted was, you know, almost squarely exclusively on Robert Thomas, but as soon as that happened, Mm -hmm. sorry, that's game over. You know, there's no crawling back and that's just... Kind of a hopeless place to be in, and I know there are some people out there thinking, uh, you know, what What if we had point-per-game Robbie Fabry on the team? We'll get there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, other than that, you know, um, I would say credit to Craig Berube in this game. Jordan Kyrer got 15 minutes of ice time, mm-hmm. including uh, 134 on the power play. Austin Pagansky only got five, almost six minutes of ice time, but that was true of most of the mm-hmm. fourth line. And I thought... Pagansky wasn't super noticeable, but he didn't look bad. Yeah, you know, he didn't make he any got a glaring mistakes. Minor hits and finished some plays in the corner. And uh, Cairo, if you are an athletic subscriber, there's a really good article uh, I think published today where uh, there are like six videos of little plays he made that um, that uh, Rutherford, Jeremy <laughs> Rutherford, asked him to break down and also asked. Barrett Jackman to break down, oh, cool. and it's a kind of a cool little piece. And um, yeah, I mean, why don't we go ahead and talk about him here? I have liked what I've seen so far. Yeah. And, you know, there were a lot of people last year who said he looked lost. I think that is fair and not fair. I do think he didn't get the fairest chance to establish himself. For example, I don't think he ever got 15 minutes to play with Shannon Schwartz. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
Robert Thomas looked lost early last season at That's times, too. That's what I was going to say. I think Kyra's doing a lot of deferring, just like Thomas uh-huh. was. And because Kyra's... I mean, I'm sure he's a great passer, but he's not known as being a passer. At least with Thomas, when you noticed him deferring, it seemed like you were... Like I said, you were noticing it. I think with Kyra, you're seeing him just be more tentative, uh-huh. not hold on the puck very long, get it to an experienced guy real quick. I noticed that a lot in the Buffalo game. I mean, it's good passing, it's good movement of the puck, but it also made me feel like, okay, he's just trying to work it around for the whole team. Yeah. Uh, even a few times when he had a chance to shoot, it looked like he was kind of thinking maybe he needed to get to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's him or Berube's, like, look for the perfect shot system, but... Which, you know, could be part of the problem. Yeah. What it was, you know, whatever. Uh, he did get that one chance early, I think, in, like, the second of the Vegas game where he had the one, like, real snipe, and then he got right back into position and got another chance and just couldn't bury either of them. I think that was probably his best scoring chance. Uh, but, you know, you've seen him and Robert Thomas, actually, in the last two games make plays that other guys on this team couldn't make. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if... I. The way they're talking about Jordan Cairo, even the way Barubi is talking about Jordan Cairo and the fact that, you know, he gave him 15 minutes or something mm. again in the Vegas game, it doesn't seem like they're trying to send him back down, mm. you know? It doesn't seem like they're trying to throttle expectations and say, you know, yeah, we needed him to plug a hole, but he's still got a lot of learning to do. And um, they... He, Barubi did make one comment in that article about like yeah we might not, we might have liked to have him play in the AHL a little longer mm-hmm. uh, and even Kairu said you know I've only felt a hundred percent from my knee surgery for about a week mm-hmm. which I found interesting because you know we talked a lot of crap about how you know if he's a point per game player isn't he fully healthy and apparently no so you know Mia culpa but injuries will now i will always think of jay bowmeister who was healed from his hip but was not healed from his oh, hip yeah. for almost two years yeah. yeah that's right um but yeah i mean i just i think the thing that i don't get about some people's approach to prospects and i think too often our organization's approach to prospects is sometime at some point they just have to sink or swim in the nhl Mm-hmm. Every player who's ever been an NHL player has transitioned to the NHL at some point. Connor McDavid didn't look that great in that first game against us when Robbie Fabry go- scored the goal, you know? He looked like a game-breaking talent, mm. but he didn't look like he'd mastered the NHL. And by the end of the year, other than the song, <laughs> other than the really serious injury yeah. he had that missed, you know, I think cost him rookie of the year, didn't it? Didn't Eichel get that or somebody else? I can't remember. Um, but I think you're right. Whatever the case, other than the injury, you know, by the end of the year he had. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying Jordan Cairo is Connor McDavid. My only connection is every player that's ever been has had to learn what it was like to play at the NHL level and, uh, now that includes ooh, that was Panarin. Yeah, I just looked at that. Shane Gustus Bear. Um Eichel was fourth, like Larkin fifth. Holy crap. John Gibson seventh. Max Domi, Colton Pareko. Ooh, that was a rookie year, baby. Mm. Um also I can't believe Colton Pareko is equally as young as Connor McDavid. Or not as young, but as new. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't feel right. But um <laughs> Yeah, so my point is, like, I don't know what the future holds for Kairu. We'll, we'll know a little bit better. Steen's supposed to come back next game. Really? If, uh, 
Possibly, because they well, well they okay, sent no, Bergansky no. back down, so oh. the thinking is uh, probably, which is fine. Okay. Um, but uh, you talked me out of it. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> but um, you know, we'll see if they're really committed to keeping Kyrou in the lineup. But whether it's now, whether it's a month from now, if he's going to have a future on this team, he's got to just be given the keys mm-hmm. at some point. You know. When you're when you're teaching your child to drive and they get their driver's license, at some point, they got to go out on their first maiden voyage. You know, you mm. just got to trust them. And maybe they wreck the car. Um, maybe they like me. Uh, oh no! Go through a yellow light and then see that there's a cop at the like cross section and then stop dead in the middle of the intersection and then realize you're in the middle of the intersection and just go anyway. And the poor cop who turned behind me was very kind and didn't do anything to me either because it was his off day or he was out of his jurisdiction or saw that he, <laughs> I was a pimply moron who must just have gotten his driver's uh, license. But anyway, I would love for them to have looked at you and be like, I'm going to arrest this motherfucker. <laughs> and then he's like, but I'm out of my jurisdiction. I'm an Ellisville <laughs> cop. Um, yep. That's right, um, but uh, that's re- and now you people know that we do not record in Ellisville. Yeah, we border. We border. <laughs> well, maybe, we border maybe, maybe we don't. Maybe it was an Ellisville cop in uh, Shreveport, <laughs> Louisiana. <but> you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So Cairo, I am excited. I think he has shown he's shown enough to me to show that he is a player who will find his way in the NHL. Mm. Um, and you got to keep him here while there's still injuries, I think, because... Oh, for sure. I can I can hear the argument if everyone's healthy. Blaze healthy. Let's, I mean, Tarasenko's out the whole rest of the season, but let's say he came back or whatever. I get uh-huh. the, okay, Kyra's out, man out. We're not going to have him ride the pine. As, but that's not happening. As long as so both Blay and Tarasenko are out, mm-hmm. at the very least, Kyra... <clears throat> deserves a spot in the lineup mm-hmm. because you need to score. Also, you know, as we just talked about, like this team needs to score. So the feel of this game, early goals killed us. Uh, late goals killed us. Our power play also. Answering goals killed oh, yeah. us. Power play 0 for 6. Our power, oh, oof, oof tie. We in haven't scored game? in a, yeah, or no, or sorry, across the, the last okay, two games. Okay. Uh, and the Blues allowed all three and their offense isn't good enough to compensate. So, yeah, we haven't scored a power play goal since when? Uh, let me look it up. I think it's been a while. Because that was, like, how we were keeping our expected goals. That was that was the difference. was, mm-hmm. like, our expected goals were low, and our even-strength goals differential was bad, but our power play goals were wonderful. That's what was keeping us afloat for a while, is that, I think, fifth in the league, sixth in the league power play, and maybe it's still around there. It hasn't dropped that dramatically yet, uh-huh. but... It's trending downward. Yeah, that's a problem if it's uh, that bad. And I think in this Vegas game, we didn't even draw a penalty. I believe we went 0 for 0. Oh, boy. I'm always surprised when that happens. Really? we didn't. You don't get a, a little shake of like, <laughs> yeah. eh, that looked like a hook. You Not get a little one. bit of a cross track or anything. I think it didn't help that we were up. And after I'm the sure, second yeah. period, they weren't going to be like, oh, last couple minutes, let's even up the power play. This league has to protect their boys, the Vegas Golden <laughs> Their golden boys. The Blues had only five of the high-danger chances in this game. The Sabres had eight. 
and the Blues had only 47.3% of the Corsi to the Savers. Get ready, Ian, 529 mm, Nice. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we, I think, deserved to lose this one to a game Sabres team. Heat map looked pretty good, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have something you wanted to interject that you looked up or not? No, no, no. I'm still, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm still searching, folks. Um, but, I'm not accustomed to the internet. Uh, <laughs> this is a little snippet from JR's article, not the Cairo one, but another one about the struggles. And I think... Uh, Give me your take on this, Ian. Okay. He said, The Blues, who are still in first place in the Western Conference with 42 points at the time, believe three things right now. They are gutting through a stretch in which they are without nearly half of their forward group. Two, they're falling behind early, chasing the game, and making critical mistakes that are being magnified, like we saw again Tuesday, the Sabres game. And three, despite these challenges and self-inflicted setbacks, they know they've been through far worse stretches before, see, last season, and came out of it okay, see, Stanley Cup, so they're not all that concerned. Who wrote that? Jeremy Rutherford. What a hack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're we're drinking our own Kool-Aid here, just like the rest of the league that says, we're like the Blues too when we're bad. We Uh are, us too say, we are the Blues and therefore it's okay if we're not doing great. And again, we're tops in the league. Oh, I don't know. This is jumping ahead. Maybe this is like a tangent to this a little bit, and it's it's from yeah, because we're sorry, always sorry. so rigidly sorry. scheduled. <laughs> I know sometimes you get the deep throbbing vein in your forehead <laughs> as I just go off. It's a random tangent. Um, after the Golden Knights game last night, I was driving around and I turned on the radio and I listened to Kerber, Curbs and Joey, as I like to call uh-huh. them, my good pals, talking about how the Blues are now they're still in first place in the Central. I think. They're ahead of the Avs by like a point. Uh-huh. And how the Blues are going to have to find a different way to win. Because grinding the other team down like they did in the playoffs and like they had to do last year for like the second half of last year is not going to be sustainable. Yeah. And you can maybe flip that switch in the last, you know, 10 games of the season to get ready for the playoffs. But doing that consistently and like they seem to still be trying to do now is going to keep scoring dried up it's going to get people tired it's just going to wear the team out probably contributes to the injuries this Mm -hmm. year i mean i know vlad's was fluky and Mm -hmm. boys came on you know that weird boy in the corner but like there's a reason that we lose a guy for some part of every game now it seems like and another aspect of that, I think, am I interrupting you or were you? No, I was just going to say that's I, it's interesting because <clears throat> when we talk about how like Rutherford was saying, oh, we shouldn't be worried about it because, or you know, essentially, don't worry too much about it because we're in the position a position of strength, being first in the central, uh-huh. and losing a couple of games here and there isn't so bad. I would agree, in a sense. I would agree if we looked better and let's say we were even scoring more and we were just kept losing them by just a little bit and it looked like, you know, three three games, three just regular old losses. But I feel like you can point to the same thing in all three of those uh-huh. losses and it's being tired, getting outworked, getting outscored. It, it's just showing me that we need to possibly change the way this team needs to change the way they're approaching games, I think. Well, that yeah, and that's the thing that... We're going to talk about Robbie Fabry later, and the reason we are is because I've spent the entire day half-reading angry <laughs> tweets about Robbie Fabry and my replies, and our replies. Um, 
but part of the argument there that a lot of people made on the pro Robbie Fabry should be gone side that we'll talk about is, you know, he wasn't a defensive player. And one of the guys said, um, this is a system where defense is primary and offense is secondary. And no, like, yes, he's correct. Mm -hmm. Also, that is not correct for this league. (laughs) Offense should never be secondary in the NHL because... It's not 2003? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and because it's not... You can't, to the point you were making about Kerber, like, you can maybe win a lot of games 2-1 or Mm 3-2 in the playoffs Mm -hmm. where you're going to be allowed to hook people and slash people and whack people a lot more. Yeah, a little more leeway. Play a little more physical. And the game as a whole is higher pressure, higher intensity, higher shots, everybody's on edge. Obviously it worked because you won Stanley Cup. Great. You you <laughs> cannot do that for 82 games when one night you're playing Connor McDavid and the next night you're playing Nathan McKinnon and the next night you're playing Jack Eichel and the next night you're playing... You know, Jonathan Mercer show and Max Pacioretty and the night before that you were playing Austin Matthews. You can't do it when you're facing different people, different schedules. The other thing is when you're playing a series against a team, the team, both teams last game was the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they other than between other than the first game of the series, which we didn't tend to do too well in, I don't think, in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Everybody played the same last game. It was two days ago, and whatever the result was, that was what the result was. This, in the regular season, sometimes you're getting people on three days rest. Sometimes you're coming off a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're coming off to a back-to-back. Sometimes you traveled from Buffalo to St. Louis two days ago. Sometimes, you know, they traveled cross-country. and Like, you can't... You've got to be able to score enough... Mm-hmm. that if they break your magic cycle and put up three goals, you can find a fourth. And I don't think we can right now. I know that there are games when we score four goals. Mm-hmm. We are about to talk about one. <laughs> but they can't do that at will. Mm. They got fortunate they had an extraordinarily good second period and Oscar Sunquist was a man possessed last night. But... What a world. You can't do that on a routine basis. And the other thing, the final thing I'll say, and then we can move on. And I think this is a point you made maybe last week or recently that I thought was very prescient and very valuable. Oh, thank you. They they will figure it out. The other team, they, they have the tape now. Mm. Craig Berube has been a coach in this league for a year now. These players have been good as a cohesive unit with Jordan Bennington for a year now. They've got the tape. And so other that say you can't do the exact same thing and mm-hmm. win again. There's no wonder that the Penguins and the Detroit Red Wings of the late nineties are the only teams of like within yeah. the last twenty plus years to repeat because they had the insane amount of skill to be like, fuck it, we're just going to yeah. do it again. Because not... you can't stop us. And it's, yeah, it's the, it's the... You can, I love the St. Louis Blues. Last season was amazing. You can stop the St. Louis Blues. They're stoppable. 
Yeah. Most teams Clearly. are. So that's what I mean. Like, you can stop and, them. And the injuries don't help any of that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so we've got more about more of that to talk about in a while, so why don't we go ahead and go. I was going to say, the one thing about the grinding style I want to say, and I think I've said it before, is just, like, that works, and I want them to do that. That works really well in the playoffs because you're playing the same team over and over uh-huh. again. It does not work, when, kind of like you were already saying, when it's just, like, Buffalo didn't get grinded on by the Blues and yesterday. We, and the crazy thing, I mean, when they you look back grinded. at our playoff run, yeah. we didn't feel it at the time because we were terrified, but mm. we dominated the deciding game of every one of those series. Mm. We dominated the Jets, even Nuts. though they made it like 3-2 to two at the end. Mm. That game was so surreal to watch because they just had nothing. Mm-hmm. And even though the Stars game went into double overtime, we were the better team the entire mm-hmm. time, and it would have been a miscarriage of justice if we'd won. And the Sharks, I mean, oh, Sharks killed games, half of their Sharks lineup. game but six was like sad. just sad. Yeah, <laughs> a little um, mad. But um, and then game seven of the of the Stanley Cup was mm-hmm. pretty one sided. I mean, the first period wasn't, but by the end. Bruins never had a chance to come back in that. Once we were up two nothing, it was over. We didn't know it at the time. That's what I mean. This but team, <laughs> can, this team, if you want to grind a team and play defensively, get me the lead, get me the two zero lead, and then they'll just chomp down. And yeah. That's fine. I love it. But that's you, great. but you, you got to do that for me. You got to do. Help me help you. You got yeah, you to do, do a little more. something you for do me. Less. Um, so yes, oh, we didn't haven't scored a power play goal since Jane Schwartz power play goal. In the 4-0 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks on December 2nd. That's not great. Mm-hmm. That's not great. How many games? Is that just the three-game losing streak and then yeah, I think so. the Vegas game? Okay. That's still pretty bad, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, you haven't scored a power play goal in three games. Yeah. Um, so prior to the Thursday night game, we found out Oscar Sundquist was returning and Austin Pagansky is sitting and uh jordan bennington got the start ian you have not watched the show the good place right um not no not no no no. so there's a character in the show i will not spoil anything for people who have not watched it i was like i know well then let's we can discuss off air um (laughs) there's a character in the show his name is janet who is basically like a personified alexa she's like a nebulously robotic assistant but she's also like a humanoid but like she's a person she's played by an actress you know um and part of her story is that like every time you reboot the janet system she gets a little bit stronger because she like you know she like has to reboot refresh all of the memory in the universe and she starts to learn things she couldn't learn for before like emotion and you know whatever uh so um (laughs) It occurred to me during this game that Oscar Sundquist is Janet. Because apparently every time he gets injured and has to reboot Mm -hmm. and get healthy, he evolves. Mm -hmm. Because Tom Wilson broke him and he went from fourth line afterthought to, um, you know, middle six indispensable player. And then uh, he got hurt. I don't even remember what his injury was, but he got this (laughs) injury. Um, And... Uh, now he came back. I mean, he was he was a god in this game. Mm. He was Oscar all Sundquist, over the ice. Yeah, was like a legitimate like, game changer. Yeah, I mean that was like the that he was the difference in this game being the fourth of those similar losses in mm-hmm. a row, and 
what it was, which was a very decisive four to two victory. So, uh, the first goal uh, this game was Mackenzie McEachern's fifth, uh, assisted by Jacob Delarose's second assist as a blue, second point wow. as a blue, and you. Oscar Sunquist. All fives, all fives on this five, fifth goal, fifth assist, fifth assist for Sunquist as well. But um, this was sort of similar to the first goal of the of the. Uh, Sabres game, the Eichels, they're basically the Eichels. Uh, it was a high chip in that Sunquest chased down, and that was back to Delarose and back to Mackenzie McEachern, who shot it, scored it from the slot. Nice play. Max Pacioretty answered immediately, immediately. Tom Calhoun was very much still speaking. I, I hate that uh, so much. Um, it was an incredible pass through center by Stone. Pacioretty was all alone and scored on the second chance off the rebound. William Carrier, former Blues prospect, traded in the Ryan Miller deal and then sniped off of their roster during the expansion draft, assisted by Ryan Reeves, whom you might have heard of. Uh, and Nate Schmidt got their second goal. That line ate our lunch in the first period. That mm-hmm. line devoured us. They that was dominated a very good line. us. And the thing that frustrates me about that is, and we all love Revo. This is with no disrespect, but that is not a skill thing. That is just you're getting outworked. Yeah, and we were. We were getting forechecked and hemmed into scared, our maybe. zone. You're getting a little scared. Yeah, and uh, that's what led to this goal. They pinned us in for a bunch of time, and eventually Schmidt took a shot that was tipped by reason, finished by Perrier Carrier. Uh, and we were just outworked, and the Blues, as they have a lot recently, looked lazy as hell this period, <laughs> and a lot of people on Twitter, Ian, were tilting hard. Blues Twitter has been in full meltdown mode lately, <laughs> and I can't quite explain it That's other than, like, I guess that there were a collection of people that thought, we won the Stanley Cup, so nothing can ever go wrong again. It's weird when I'm not the pessimist. And even in this game, there were people who were like, this fucking team is trash. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, there's like two more periods. <laughs> I don't know what it was, because usually I'm the guy that's like, this fucking team is trash. <laughs> but in this game, I was like, we can do it, guys. We got yeah. it. We can do something. We might not, but we could. Vegas feels new enough, even though they were have been good in the past two uh, seasons, three seasons, that like... I'm like, no, we ain't going to lose to Vegas. Come on now. And it's like they made the cup final a couple of years. And I'm like, I don't care. We ain't yeah. going to lose to Vegas. That's right. I feel like Vegas against us in a seven-game playoff series would not end well for Vegas. Mm-hmm. That feels like a team, even like expansion aspects aside, that feels like a team we're matched very well against. Because, and I think it's because they do not necessarily have the super fast skill guys, mm. and nobody's beaten us at our game over a seven-game <laughs> series. They're a little know? bit older. They're a little bit yeah. older down there. Which is natural for expansion, but mm. like, if you don't have the dynamic guys who can break through what we're doing... Chomp, chomp. You're not breaking through. <laughs> um, but then the second period started, and Oscar Sunquist uh, continued his monstrous, monstrous um, dominating performance and got his ninth goal of the season, assisted by Petrangelo. Uh, Gunnarsson had a really nice keep in here. Delarose got a nice shot. The puck got out to the point. Sunquist, who tried to jam for a rebound, did a 180 to face Petrangelo and tip. His shot out of midair, as if he were Joe Pavelski, who me is not. But Joe Pavelski, very underrated. No one talked um, enough about him. And uh, it was a redirected goal. This was unreal. That mm. was redonkulous. Um, Jaden Schwartz scored 
about 13 minutes later, uh, his ninth of the season, uh, he used to wear number nine. Fun fact for younger Blues fans, he wears number 17 in honor of his sister Mandy. So, you know, I'm sure everyone knew that, but maybe not. Maybe there's a kid listening. Hey, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Turn off the podcast. Hello, fellow kids. Um, Shin and Falk assisted. You know what? Justin Falk has had some gas lately, but I think he's looked, starting to look a little better. What he are your is. thoughts? I thought you were going to say, you know what? I'm, talk- I'm going to start talking to the kids. Listen up, kids. I got some advice for you. Don't be Justin Falk. Don't be kids. I do I do think he's looked better. I think getting that first goal off his back has made him look a little more yeah. relaxed. He's had a couple gas. He probably always will. Yeah, in the just, Buffalo game, I noticed a few. I was if like, he's Ugh. creating in the offensive zone, this is the thing that I just have a fundamental disagreement with some people on. If you're Robert Thomas and you're a dynamic offensive player, he should put up more points. I agree with that in general. But, like, mm. I don't care if he has an occasional defensive gaffe. It shouldn't be as bad as the Eichel one. I'm not making an excuse for that. But, yeah. like, weighing him as a whole player, I'm never going to be like... I don't know if he finishes his checks enough. Mm. You know, it's just, I just that's just a, I just see it differently. I don't know. Um, but uh, Falk had a, a nice, really nice keep in at the line here. This was almost offsides. Shin backhanded it on net. Kairou fought off two nights in front, and the rebound went out to Schwartz, who rocketed home with a nice snipe. It was just this was a weird goal to watch back because it reminded me of so many last year where he just would have found a way to not bury this. Mm-hmm. You remember how friggin' ice cold he was as a shooter last year, uh, but he. Got this one in over Marc-Andre Fleury, and Robert Thomas scored less than a minute later, his fourth of the season. O'Reilly made a nice play to get the puck out of our zone. Thomas had all the time in the world, uh, sort of just sitting on the ice to Fleury's right. He was looking for a pass, finding a pass, couldn't watch his watches, and finally said, fuck it, and shot it into a space that was no bigger than a thimble, but it managed to get through Fleury. Not his best work, but Thomas's yeah, best work, and it was a goal. On that. Pucks on net. That's right. You can't look for the perfect shooting opportunity if you ain't got one. Um, Michael Scott. This was about as... <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Michael Bill Scott. Scott. <laughs> um, this was about as, like... Even for the Blues who do that a lot, this was mm. about as black to white a period by period switch mm-hmm. as I've ever seen. Like, we were lazy and non-existent in the first period, and I don't know if it was Berube said something or Oscar Sundquist <laughs> said something. Excuse me, coach, am captain of team now, or what happened, but uh, it was a, just a, like a light switch went off, and unfortunately, we didn't quite carry that into the third. We were better than we were mm-hmm. in the first. But... I think Joey Vitale said that uh, he thought Sundquist was a player that the locker room really needed and it didn't make any sense to me uh-huh. i understand they need him on the ice but i was like what is he providing in the <laughs> locker room i like to think he's just kind of like a sense of calm like you know yeah. mckechran's yelling at bozak who's yelling at peron and then you just put sunquist in there and they kind of don't know what to say <laughs> so then they're just quiet he just stands between like he yeah. deflects all the hatred or he just you know does himself. a big hug a big silent <laughs> hug and then they feel awkward so they just shut up and they play like better a, together a monk or something yeah. um so zen yeah that's right the blues had 61 percent of the corsi and 
eight of their nine high danger chances in this game in the thir- second period, and that's contrasted with 35% Corsi in the first and 31% Corsi in the third. Um, the uh, the third period was just the Jordan Bennington show for the most part. He had uh, a big save right off the hop, and the Knights had lots of possession in the third, and Bennington uh, stood tall and kept mm-hmm. him kept us in the game, and that's that's the difference. <laughs> I'm and Jake Allen's been great this season, mm-hmm. but I am never terrified after one bad Jordan Bennington performance that we're going to get another one. If he's proven anything concretely, he's mm-hmm. proven that that dude does not carry from one performance into another one. So that's insane. Um, you know, he's he, a robot. He, he is. He made 29. Well, he made 27 saves in this game. Um, and that's good. You know, he had a couple of off performances in a row. There was not really a, a goalie controversy because we still can't start one of them at home, but um, <laughs> they weren't, they were, you know, looking for excuses to start Allen, which Bennington at his best wouldn't allow them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big game for him. And I think, uh, I think we don't want to overlook that in all the Sunquest hype, which is well deserved. <sighs> Heat map, real ugly, real bad. <laughs> That's no, a lot of great. dark blue. Um, who did that song, Dark Blue? Was that a, a shit? Some real emo band. No, I know this. Is it like Jack, Jake's Mannequin? Yeah, Jack's Mannequin. You got it, baby. He's a different guy, though, now. Oh, he's a different guy. <laughs> he's he... um something wilderness or something. Ooh, we're going to find out. Or Wikipedia Freefall. Jack's Mannequin. And there was no one in the band named Jack, but was frontmanned by Andrew McMahon. And the Wilderness. Andrew McMahon and the Wilderness. You're correct. Good for him. Maybe he learned that you can only be emo for so long. This is about to get real serious for a split time. We'll go right back. I think he had some form, like some really bad form of cancer. Ooh. And he survived it. And that dude, we saw him at Lollapalooza. Good for him. That guy was survived. It was in remission. He was having a fucking blast. That guy was going nuts because oh, he, he awesome. was because he was like, I got a new lease on life and fuck it, and was just going bonkers. Like good for him. Anyways, he had a stem cell transplant. God damn! Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Okay. Um. So yeah. Um. Good for him. Great. Terrific. Congratulations. <laughs> one of the little nuggets that I know about anything anywhere. Good for. Good for you. Good for, good for him. Good for him and good Folks, for you. Good for us. You never know where the Two Guy One Cup podcast is going to go, but it will always cover something you didn't expect. <laughs> I think we can guarantee that over 106, 139 episodes, <laughs> uh, we have covered a lot of ground. So, um, the feel of this game, the Blues look sloppy as hell on the first period. Like, they're still in the same slumping disasters, but something changed in the first intermission, and they came out like a house of fire in the second period. One of the best periods of the season, and then a well-played, if occasionally frightening third period, seals the deal and the victory, and the streak is over. There were even shots in this game. Uh, the Blues did more hitting and more blocking and more giving away <laughs> Uh, I like this quote from Craig Bruby. It's kind of the contrast to the we're not worried that they talked about earlier. 
Baruby after the set, a Baruby on sense of relief from winning. This is a Jeremy Rutherford tweet. He said, relief? No, we have a three-game losing streak and we win. It's not relief for me. It's like, what are we going to do to get better next game? That's it. This game's over with. I'm done with it. I'm moving on to Chicago and going to worry about Chicago. We've got to get better. That's it. We've got to get better. Nice. That's what I do like about Baruby. You know, and I realize it's very hockey coach and hockey player to be like this one's in the past. But that one seemed like this one's in the fucking past. <laughs> Talk to me about relief. Relief? We're just trying to win a game. Yeah, we're, right. I guess we we're lucky to win a game. Uh, where do you feel the team is after that game are we back are we fixed i mean oscar sunquist is a big presence in the mm-hmm. lineup we saw that uh Ran with on his one PK. game suspension yeah. oh i forgot to mention and because i'm thinking of it uh nico mikola got called up oscar, carl gunnerson's hurt again oh. shocker um but uh i'm happy for mikola and i'm excited i hope he gets some games because i'm mm-hmm. excited to see what he could bring uh but anyway sorry go ahead Oh, what was your question? (laughs) Where do you think the team is now uh, after that win with Chicago tomorrow and uh, Colorado on Monday and Edmonton and the Sharks? That is a very ping-pongy schedule. (laughs) Yeah, I will be at the Colorado game, and that's that's fun because my ticket package is generally, I mean, it's the cheaper package. Is that the one with the Stanley Cup? It is. I didn't realize that until the other day. Yeah, I know. I won't be getting one. And then steal somebody's for me. (laughs) Hey, look at that. (laughs) Is that Wayne Gretzky? (laughs) It could be. I I think we'll be okay. I think that three-game stretch shows some things this team needs to work on, aside from just staying healthy, but just starting games on time, being able to get a lead and keep a lead. Because, what, in all of those? I mean, we lost the Penguins. We didn't ever have the lead. Uh-huh. Buffalo, we never had the lead. Vegas, we finally we took over the lead. But, like, what is that one? Toronto, we never had the lead. So, yeah, like, it, it, we need to score first is what yeah, this team needs. And I know the stats are, like, that's an obvious thing. Like, I think, what, 70-something percent of teams that score first win the game. Uh-huh. It's a key. It's something we have to do. I would hate to watch the Blackhawks score early on us uh, next game yeah. because it just means uh, there's just more learning to do. And while I still have faith after that game against Vegas that we can come back, it's still those that three-game loss is still in my mind uh-huh. that is to happen. So I think we'll be okay. I think with Steen coming back too, that'll help. And I'm hoping with Kairou getting more and more experience that maybe we'll start seeing a little more of a fast offensive threat from our young guys coming up. The nice thing about the three-game losing streak is I do think that's like our depth. That's like as bad as it's getting. Not necessarily that one streak in particular, although hopefully, but like mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see those games like last year where it was 7-1. to one. You know, I just don't think that's going to happen to this team anymore. So I guess that's the positive. It was a big win against Vegas. They're a good team. They're probably playoff bound for the third year in the row so <coughs> that's a that's a good start mm-hmm. i don't know why my whole uh, nasal passage is swelling up and closing right now as i speak but hey that's life kid <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a message for the kids out there <laughs> that's right you kids listening 
for the kids. This episode for the kids. Um, where do you want to go from here? We've got a number of topics to talk about. Two coach firings. Two blues firings. Uh, no blues firings. Two blues trade possibilities. One extant and one possible. What do you want to talk about? Blues or league first? Let's do blues while we're here okay not the right decision <laughs> um so alex petrangelo hasn't signed a contract and it's finally <laughs> time to discuss it uh, i love the exasperation i know because it's it's only the 13th but is it getting done in december no never and like it's it's the holidays it's not gonna happen over there what a Christmas present that would be, though. You know, okay. Uh, what, 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 Stephen, what an American Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, let's talk about trade rivers. Let's talk about the James. I don't Mer- like the rumors, let's Stephen. Let's talk about they the make James Rivers piece. Let's talk about the okay. less. Let's get this over sustainable with because I'm so rivers. nervous. There is. Some speculation out there that there's been very little negotiation around Petrangelo's extension. Some even speculate Petro was offered, was offended, excuse me, that the Blues brought in an extended Falk before they even took a serious run at him. The Blues had limited cat space next season, roughly $7 million at present, with Blade, Dunn, McEachern, DLR, and Bowmeister, or a Bowmeister replacement, needing extensions of presumably a million or more dollars mm-hmm. per which is one two three four five people so you figure that out <laughs> um that seven million is based on the current cap number so bump it up to the rumored 84 million dollar cap ceiling next year you get 10 that's still not much the blues can make cap room trading allen's 4.35 million for example or doing perhaps a brooks orpic-esque sign have somebody else buy out and then re-sign uh, or trade, have somebody else buy out and then re-sign Alex Steen. Yes, I don't please. want to see him play here, or I don't want to see him play anywhere else. I'd like mm-hmm. to see him retire a blue. But if there's a way to uh, mitigate his contract, I'm all for that. <laughs> um, realistically, you're talking maybe $15 million top end to sign all those guys. Even if DLR walks or is cheap and Bowmeister retires or walks, you'll need to replace all of those bodies. And replacing Bowmeister would be pretty significant since he's a top four defenseman. Maybe you have Perunovic come up, maybe Dunn steps up. That's still That's a sizable hard. change. Mm-hmm. Blay won't be super cheap as he was on pace for 20 goals before the injury. Maybe the injury knocks the price down to tag down a little, but not a lot. Don, I would think short term is in the three to four million per season range and long term is going to be more than that. Probably five to six if you're trying to get him on a lengthy extension. I, I think he's probably going to go the Charlie McAvoy route. I probably. Think, or that's the route yeah. he'll want to take yeah. and we'll probably just have to go with him on. Like the short... Yeah, then isn't like a three-year, uh-huh. five million a year uh-huh. contract, I think. Um, Petrangelo, if he's just getting the open market, nine million is his floor per season. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gives us a discount. Maybe not. He certainly doesn't have to, which I want to stress very much because there are fans out there that feel 
like they deserve team-friendly discounts, and they do not, because that's not how anything works. <laughs> um, but unless he takes an extremely team-friendly deal here or signs cheaper for an eight-year, he's going to be well over half of our remaining hypothetical cap space for next year. So, Ian, uh, give me your take. Do we have to sign Alex Petrangelo? We don't have to. But that's not what your notes. <laughs> I, he's going on script. But if we don't, I don't know what the makeup of this team looks like because you might say, "Well, it's just Alex Petrangelo's gone and Colton Pareko's in this spot. Done deal." That's not the same. It just isn't. I can't. I can't stress how much of a steady presence Alex Petrangelo is on the back end. Uh -huh. And how if try anyway? Yeah, I'll try and stress. I can't. Well, I can't do it, so I won't do it. Everyone, I'm sorry. Podcast over. See, this is all wrong. So I don't even know if this is true. Didn't they say he scored his hundredth goal? And I looked yep. this up on NHL stats or whatever. Maybe I like started a certain year. I don't know. Yeah, thirteen. Anyways, it said he was eighty-seven here, but take all these stats with a grain of salt then, or whatever, because I found a streak. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think he'd have more than 13 on the power play, though. So. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Look 100 it up goals. For me. We know it's 100 goals. Yeah. So. <laughs> but he's around here for like 12th yeah. in goal since, since the 2010-2011 season. Petrangelo ranks amongst is defensemen. Is that his first season? I guess it is. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is. Check it out for me, Steven. <laughs> okay. But he's 12th in goals. He's 10th in assists. He's 8th in points. He's 8th in games played. He's sixth in average time on ice per game with 25 minutes and 12 seconds. He's second in shifts per game with about 30 shifts. Like, the guy eats up minutes back there. He plays for half the freaking game. He's not an offensive juggernaut, but he's super steady. He's great defensively. I'm sure there's defensive numbers I could toss up for you to show you that he's good at that. But I'm honestly, just the eye test. The dude comes away with the puck more often than not in our zone. He's got a great first pass. I, I don't know what we do without him. We move on, we play hockey, we play good hockey, we'll be an okay team. But you're not going to just find another Alex Petrangelo. You have Colton Pareko and you didn't find another Alex Petrangelo because they're not the same player. You're not going to get that player back anytime soon. We do not have a defenseman in our, in our pipeline that is Alex Petrangelo. So... Um... We have to resign Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. But there's a but coming. But the, uh, Dom Precision. <laughs> I don't know what I call them in the notes here. but Incision. Decision. Subdivision. <laughs> Subdom Vision said, uh, has a chart about Alex Petrangelo's long-term outlook, and it is very positive. Uh in terms of an aging chart, it is extraordinarily positive, and it basically mm -hmm. posits that he would continue to be elite through the first three seasons of a seven-year extension, and then he would be a number one player for the next two seasons, and then the following two seasons, he'd be top pair, and his value would minimum out, would bottom out at 7.8 million would be his like on-ice value. Mm. Uh, and so he suggests his market value <laughs> I hope Steven's blown away. <laughs> these numbers is a $9.2 million per year contract over seven years. And that he'd be good for 14.0 on ice wins. As you said so, um, so succinctly, 
you don't have a clue what this team is without without Alex Petrangelo. More than any other player except maybe Ryan O'Reilly now. Mm-hmm. Although you've seen the team a lot more recently without Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah, you kind of know what that looks like. But it's not so it's good. It's not good, but at least you know <laughs> no, what it looks like. We know what it looks like, and it's bad. Um, and when we've seen the, the one time Petrangelo had that bad injury, mm-hmm. that was bad too. Oh, we're sunk. Um, He's the first captain to ever hoist a Stanley Cup, and I know we talked about just last week how it's not good to say, hey, we got to keep all those Stanley Cup guys, we got to reward them. But maybe the captain, you know. I was going to say, for as much, yeah, if you're going to be, if you're going to be Doug Armstrong and you're going to say, we got to keep this team together because we're keeping the score together, we're going to go on what he quoted, what he's quoted as saying, which I just think he was saying numbers. He goes, a 14 to 15 year or something run and i'm like excuse me how old Uh, do you think these players are but he's saying like we want to have an extended run with what we have what you have starts with alex petrangelo you can't tell me you need to reward these guys and keep everyone around and you want to push with this core and then be like but alex petrangelo is gone yeah Exactly, because there's no core. You don't know the core. That's just, the core. Yeah, that's like the and I'm not saying we're piece. just automatically a bad team. I'm saying you don't know mm-hmm. what we are. Exactly. You can't tell me that. You cannot guarantee me. Oh, they just roll. They just roll with the punches. The same team. Nope. Uh, I'm bad at chemistry, so this analogy will break down. But like molecules are made up of certain. <laughs> oh <things>. boy! <laughs> like it's already a, off. Like just a carbon kidding. dioxide molecule is a thing. But if you take off one of those oxides, it's still a thing. It's a deadly thing in this case, but I, that's one of the two molecules I know. So I thought you were going to say, know. we don't know what it is, but we do know what it you is. Know, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can, The team will transform fundamentally yeah, without Alex different. Petrangelo. Totally different. And Craig Berube's still your coach, so they're not going to become a high-flying, fun, offensive team. You know, like... You can't, so you have to resign him. Long story short, I think you have to. And on the less panicky side, hi, Suki. On the less <laughs> panicky side, you... Your wife is pissed again. Jesus, Lord, what is she pissed about? On the less <laughs> panicky side, um... <laughs> she's pulled, she's pulled your brain out uh, of she On the less panicky side... We got it. This Armstrong administration has dropped contract extensions out of nowhere before, mm-hmm. and it could just happen. We could just look down at our phone, That's and they true. could say, Alex Petrangelo, eight-year, $70 million contract. What does that break down to? Nine? About nine, right? A little over nine? A little under nine. Anyway, <laughs> contracts happen. Um, and that could just... It could just happen, and great. And then it's all over, and then we're fine. Then we're fine. Great. Terrific. I hope that happens. I want that to happen. That would make my day, make my week, if that happens. Awesome. However, if a word of these rumors about butt hurt and hurt feelings and anger and resentment are true, if there is a inclination, if there is a suggestion, if there is the tiniest belief in your mind, not the tiniest belief, <laughs> but if there is substantial reason to believe that he will not resign with this team, you have got to trade him. You cannot let him walk. Oh no, Steven. What? I- 
that's going to happen. The July 1st? Yeah, it's going to happen. Oh, no, because Doug Armstrong believes in the core. But yes. only this year. Yes. But only for this year. Yeah. So he's just going to keep them. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that team in 2015-16 made the run knowing full well that they weren't going to offer David Backus enough to keep him. Mm-hmm. And that Troy, you know, I think maybe they wanted to keep Brower more than <coughs> they were willing to do for uh, Backus, but ba- Brower left too, fair enough. Mm-hmm. That team was the zenith of a 10-year rebuilding process. Literally 10-year, right? Because we got Eric Johnson in 06. Mm-hmm. So literally 10-year rebuilding process. And that was our last gasp at what we th- what we thought would be our last gasp for a little while at a cup. And fair enough. You missed. You swung and you missed. Fine. You just won a cup now. This idea that we're going to repeat, I'm sorry. We have to abandon it. You cannot plan around this team, especially with all the injuries. Especially with everything going on. You've got to abandon that idea it's a cool idea the likelihood of repeating is almost non-existent and it's not worth it's not worth trying for it's not worth planning like i I don't know how you yeah i don't know how you'd phrase it go for it like think that obviously try and go win the cup but don't be like well this is the we've won it so now we know the reality and we we will be there again be like i no no don't make decisions don't make decisions thinking that's a for like a for sure thing like that's the finality of it all this is the other thing too like look at last year man jamie venn was like inches from winning that game in overtime And, I, yeah, I never want to take it away from the Blues, but there is so much luck that goes into this stuff. For any team. For any the team. Carolina every Hurricanes single team. won a cup. Anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that game five against the Jets, uh-huh. and they were up 2-0 on us already, and then Kevin Hayes has a puck that's rolling over the line, and if he just decides not to even go for it, it's going in the net, and it's 3-0, and uh-huh. it's a whole other game. Uh-huh. But he decides to try and hit it, and one of our players shoves him, and his stick goes on the other side of the puck, and he corkscrews oh, yeah, it out of I the net. That. He he saved He saved the Blues. Kevin Hayes saved the Blues. Yeah. That, and... That's not going to happen, like, 99 times out of 100. I just... I, if, Plan for the future Let me ask bit. you this question. Let me ask you a thought as exercise. Ooh. Don't look at the screen. Okay. You can look. It doesn't matter. Black I'm, I'm going to read you what it says. If I could give you one chance with 3% odds and a $10 million prize, or I could give you five chances with 15% odds and a $1 million prize, what are you taking? Because I know what I'm taking. I'm taking the five chances with 15% odds. The 3%? Hmm. Great. And if you get $10 million, you made $10 million. Awesome. Amazing. But you're probably not gonna. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're probably not gonna. And then you're out of luck. And that's what happens if you try to go with Petrangelo and you just miss. You know? You just miss the boat. Um, as we discussed last week, you guys can go back, and as we've already discussed this week, you have no clue what this team is with Alex Petrangelo. I don't think they're going to be awful, Mm -hmm. but you just don't know. And if, 
if there's a chance that he's going to walk, you need to replace him. You need to... If there's a chance there's going to walk, the team is going to transform anyway. Mm-hmm. So if someone is offering you talent, take the talent. Mm-hmm. The rumor out of Toronto that I read said that if Toronto gets a chance to talk extension with him, William Nylander is on the table, as long with Timothy Liljegren potentially and a second round pick. Mm-hmm. And if there's no extension talks, it could be Kasperi Kapanen instead of Nylander and the rest of the package. Timothy Liljegren isn't Alex Petrangelo. He's a very nice right handed defensive prospect mm-hmm. who's played in the NHL the last AHL the last two years, mm-hmm. I think would be ready to step into your lineup. Um, this is Corey Promens, Bourbon, and Will Ugrin had a fine second AHL season playing on both special teams for the Marlies. As a teenager, he plays a player with a high skill level and a lot of offensive creativity. He can stick handle past opponents while make crafty line changes off the blue line or off the rush. He has a very good vision and can make difficult passes. When he's playing with pace, he shows good quickness and ability to make opponents miss their checks. His feet allow him to close on checks, and combined with his sense, he'd become a better defender overall. There are times when I wish his game would have had a bit more pace. He could watch the risky turnovers, and he'd like a few more points, but overall, I think I like the player, and he will help the Leafs. Um, I'm not saying I want Timothy Lilligren or even William Nylander more than I want Alex Petrangelo. I don't. Mm-hmm. But And this is really only... If there's significant reason to believe that he's not coming back, and certainly if the reason there's reason to believe that he's not coming back is because you're not willing to make an eight-year commitment to him, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I don't think that's true, but we did make the Falk trade. We did make the Falk extension. If that's true, you would better friggin' trade him because if I hear you went to the end of the year without trying to mm-hmm. you know that I don't get it you know so I know people say well he's got a no trade it's gonna be hard to trade him if he knows he's gone he'll take a trade mm-hmm. especially to Toronto mm-hmm. his hometown I was like we're not gonna we're not trying to offload him on like Detroit yeah he's exactly. gonna go to a contender he's gonna want to be there yeah so, I don't know. I want him re-signed. I hope he's re-signed. I hope he's re-signed before we next podcast. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to think about this. I don't want... This This team is going to have to transform. We're going to have to shed some salary. We, you know, maybe trade Jaden Schwartz in the offseason in the final season of his deal. We got to do something because mm-hmm. we can't keep everybody uh, with the salary cap where it is right now. But So, changes are coming regardless, but... This shouldn't be the change. (laughs) And if this is going to be the change due to factors either within or outside of your control, then use the change that's going to happen anyway to add more to your roster and extend your window. Because William Nylander is a better, you know, is a more creative player than pretty much anyone we have right now. Mm. And is on a long-term contract and maybe is a little overpaid, but is at least not nothing for Alex Petrangelo, you know? So, I don't know. Any thoughts on anything I just said, or should we move on? I was going to say, even if he leaves, I guess the one positive is it'll be interesting. Well, sure, yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting, and I like interesting, but 
you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of be a GM mode. I'm a big fan <laughs> of, you know, making crazy trades and, and, you know, pulling teams out of the doldrums and doing wacky things that can never happen in the NHL. But, uh, uh, this time you gotta, you gotta lock down your guy. And if you're not going to, you gotta find a way to get more value than one run at the cup. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, you have Falk and, and Pareko. Uh, another reason to trade him now is to see what you have in those guys without Petrangelo. Because better to find that out in the half a season we have remaining than to find it out next season and then find out you're screwed. Yeah, you, know? you didn't like, do enough. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't see... I don't want any of that. I just want him resigned. But at some point you have to deal with the fact that he isn't resigned and start to plan accordingly. I don't know. Any more thoughts on that? I'll just be upset when he leaves. <sighs> I will remember you. Let's talk about Robbie Fabry then. Let's oh, talk speaking about of, the I other will remember you. I will never forget. It's the best of outcomes and it's the worst of outcomes. Robbie Fabry looks like a man possessed with the Detroit Red Wings. He has 15 points, 8 goals, and 7 assists in 16 games in the Democratic Republic of Wings. I wrote DRW, so you know, that makes sense. You know what? I'm going to say this is the best of outcomes and the best of outcomes, quite honestly. And you're not going to be able to convince me otherwise. I will listen to your opinion. (laughs) It's the best of outcomes for me, I agree. But Mm -hmm. it's the worst of outcomes in the sense that it's fuel for some random Twitter personalities to be upset. Mm-hmm. Um, Thursday against Winnipeg, he had two goals and an assist, which I pure, briefly thought was a hat trick, which led to this tweet that got a lot of likes and no corrections on that. So good looking out, Twitter. <laughs> thanks for not, of all these 7,000 responses this tweet got, thanks for none of them being, oh, actually, it was changed to an assist. Good, good on you, Twitter. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, five of his eight goals are on the power play. Let's start there, as are two of his seven assists. Mm-hmm. Um, conversation with Kurt Price of Let's Go Boys Radio. He responded, uh, well, our tweet was, Robbie Fabry with a hat trick tonight. Wasn't a hat trick, but moving on. Here comes the we lost the trade takes. And I said, guys, we were supposed to lose the trade. It was for his benefit, not ours. Which may be a little trite, but also true. Mm. Um, and Price said, uh, Kurt, by the way, we we like Kurt. Listen, yeah. just engaging with the point because he's, you know, a, a talking head in the Blues community <laughs> and he makes a good point. And he says, I'm well aware he was traded for his benefit. What I can't understand is how they couldn't find a spot for him on this team. There is always room for a guy who can score no matter the system. Always. And I agree with that. I agree. In spirit, I agree with Kurt. But comparing the St. Louis Blues with the 2019-2020 Detroit Red Wings is roughly like comparing the Boston Bruins with the Saginaw Spirit. (laughs) The Detroit Red Wings are historically bad. Historically bad. They're so bad that entering the game in which uh, Fabry got his two goals and they won 5-2, the Red Wings 
were minus 62 in goal mm-hmm. differential. Last season, the Kings finished the year last in the league at minus 61. That's how bad the Red Wings are. The Blues, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, they're defending <coughs> Stanley Cup champions, and I can't speak anymore, so hold on a minute. But yeah, they're defending the Stanley Cup champions, which is pretty good. And um, those are very different situations to be in. Yeah, I don't. I know which one I'd prefer. Maybe there are some who wouldn't prefer the defending Stanley Cup champions' place. Robbie Favre, Favre clearly wouldn't because he wanted out of here, and there's good reason why. He averaged nine forty two in his nine games here this season. His uh, averaged he's averaged right at seventeen minutes with the Red Wings in sixteen games. Uh, while here, he averaged point. Uh, or 51 seconds of power play time on ice per game, which actually shocks me that he was that high. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Detroit, he's sixth on the team and fourth amongst forwards, tra- trailing only uh, Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Mantha with two minutes and 43 seconds per game of power play ga- time. Look at their roster. I'm pulling it up on my screen. I invite you to pull it up on yours if you'd like to, Ian. <laughs> their team is so bad. Tyler Bertuzzi leads the team with 25 points. My Good boy. on him. Anthony Mantha, second on the team with 23 points. Dylan Larkin, who, by the way, is one of the most disappointing players in the NHL. In terms I've of been career disappointment. for You're years. Right. You have it. But he was <laughs> supposed to be the guy. And he is very much not the guy. Um, 20 points in 33 games. Philip Peronik at Oh, he's 22 years old. I thought he was 31 <laughs> years old. Uh, defenseman, 17 points. And then it's Fabry. Fabry, who's been on the team for 16 games, has more points than any other player on this team who have played 30 or more. Uh, Athanasiu, Phil Pula, Darren Helm, Dennis Cholowski, Madison Bowie, Taro Hirose, Philip Zidina, Luke Gwendenning, Mike Green, Patrick Nemeth. Uh, the erstwhile Red Wing, Jacob Delarose, Danny Kaiser, Justin Abdelkader. This team is trash. And we said for a long time that Robbie Fabry belonged on a trash team. <laughs> we said for a long time, though. I went back and listened to our podcast when he got traded. Yeah, He needed a shot on a team where he could just run wild and be free. Literally like a horse who's been stuck in a barn and he just needs a farm. You know, it doesn't matter what farm, just any old farm where he has space to run and sow his oats and do whatever it is horses do. Um, he had to, to find success. He had to be traded to literally the worst team in the league and be traded, treated as the only show in town, which he is. Jacob Delarose hasn't been much for the Blues. Mm-hmm. He's been fine defensively. He's got a second assist today. Uh, he hasn't taken any penalties with us, and Fabry's taken four between the two teams. I'm not going to sit here and tell you <laughs> that I think Jacob Delarose is a better player than Robbie Fabry because he's not. He does some things for us that Fabry wouldn't have been able to do, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's a trade we were going to win. But to, to Kurt Price's point... Where? If, if there's a place, if there's always a place for scoring mm-hmm. on this team, where's the place for Robbie Fabry on this team? Because I'll tell you what, 
leave the healthy lineup on the table, off the table for now. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'd have put Robbie Fabry in last night's lineup. Even 14 points and 15 points in 16 games, Robbie Fabry. I know there are people out there who say, well, take Cairo out and put him there. Not me, personally. <laughs> I'd rather see what Jordan Cairo develops into because Jordan Cairo has two knees. Um, <laughs> has healthy knees, yeah. And that's the other thing about this that people are forgetting. If if Fabry has another knee injury, it's done. It's over. That's his career. And I don't think he will. I hope he doesn't. But, you know, I don't I don't think we're watching the breakup, breakout of a perennial all-star. You know, I don't think this is William Carlson coming to Vegas mm-hmm. and finally getting the chance to be a 60-point-a-year kind of guy. I think it's a guy who's hyper-motivated, getting a chance on a team that has nothing else going for it, playing on a line with a friend from juniors, and I'm happy. I'm so happy for him. But I'm not happy for the Blues fans who are talking about, well, I'd rather have Robert, Robbie Fabry than Robert Thomas right now because Robert Thomas doesn't score points. And it's like, come on, guys. Soak your head, as Steve <laughs> Dangle would say. So what are your thoughts on Robbie Fabry right now? I didn't think I had any more. <laughs> it's... I don't know if you mentioned this already, but... He wasn't a Craig Berube guy. No. He wasn't, yeah. Berube wasn't going to play Robbie Fabry. That's the thing. You saw that happen. You could it wasn't be, going to happen. If people want to be upset with this trade, fine. They need to be upset with Craig Berube and not Doug Armstrong. Mm. Because Doug Armstrong was trading a guy because Craig Berube wasn't giving him a shot. He said as much. And mm. his comments, which I heard again listening back to the podcast, he said. Robbie's getting traded because he couldn't ever break into cr- the group of guys Berube trusted, mm-hmm. basically. And that's true, and that sucks, but Yeah, it's... whether you like it or not, that's just how it how it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... I don't know, I guess I just... We've... <laughs> we won the cup, he's a cup winner, his name is on the cup. We could have done more with him. I feel... Believe me, the mo- when I stop and I really think about the Robbie Fabry stuff... In depth, it does make me a little sad. Just and not because he's gone, but because of just like what we thought he was going to be prior to all these injuries and sort of what he is now. I mean, right now he looks fine, but before this, you know, in the rest of his ten years of blue, he just kind of looked like an okay player, and we were just happy that he was healthy. But in that sense, I feel bad. But if I look at it from a much happier perspective, honestly, I'm just happy for him. And do the Blues? We need scoring. We need to score more goals. That's true. But the Blues need scoring so desperately that we were going to um, keep Robbie Fabry and just play him every so often on the off chance that this he was going to break through again. Because honestly, that's not very nice to Robbie Fabry. And I know that's weird. that's weird when we're always advocating for the team. We're advocating for the Blues and what's best for the Blues and yada yada. But really, think of it as a personal thing. I'm just glad that he's somewhere where he can play and he can score and he can fit in and he... And I'm sure it sucks that you're on a shitty team, but he also won the cup, so I'm sure he's just happy to be playing. This was the next step. He gets to finally play. And I'm just happy for him because it's not a... I guess I just don't see it as as a subtraction from this team. I don't see it as like, oh my god, we lost Robbie Fabry. What have we done? It's like, no, it's a a net positive. We helped a guy. And what we got back was 
Jacob Della Rose, who can fit in a bottom six role much better than Robbie Fabry ever could. And I, I, I know what people mean when they say they wish he was still here, but I think at a certain point, it's um, a selfish fan want. Mm-hmm. I wish Robbie Fabry was here. That was so cool. I love Robbie Fabry. I got a jersey. He obviously scores. I'm not taking that away from you know the stats that he has in Detroit, but it's like you want him here because that would feel good. But he's not here, and he's gone, and he's scoring with Detroit, and that's too bad. It's a much. It's a mu- I shouldn't really compare him, but it's a much smaller portion or less uh, troubling trade compared to like a TJ Oshie, where it's like he's gone, he's scoring. Uh-huh. It was fun when he What's was weird, here. Though, I don't it's think we over. ever did this with TJ Oshie, really. Yeah, you're right. You know? <laughs> and, and he had more impact on this team than Robbie Fabry Right, Fabry and did. that's the thing. It's like, I don't... It happened a little when he won the cup. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was some, you know, bittersweetness there. And um, maybe, that you know, part of that is counteracted by the fi- fact that, in hindsight, that was an awful lopsided trade. But at the uh, time, Brower was, like, serviceable. I you still know? remember trying to... Uh trying to be like this trade's fine yeah, even when like no, in my head it was like it's not and i was yeah. like no i think it is <laughs> i just yeah. got it was um, me fighting myself uh but yeah i mean it, it, this is just this is a weird i almost feel if i'm honest with you blues twitter i almost feel like we won the cup and we don't have as many things to fight over and some of y'all just want to fight if i'm <laughs> honest with you i think that's going on a little bit mm-hmm. um and I'm not, I I can't totally square with people who said Fabry got no shot here. He didn't get a good enough opportunity here. He didn't get 10 games on the first line. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me when we had the time to offer him that. Maybe at the start of this year. He probably should have gotten a fair shake this year. Truth be mm-hmm. told, he probably, Doug Armstrong probably should have said, Craig, Robbie is fully healthy now he's back you gotta find a spot yeah make this work make one last him time have for a me, chance man. and just find out just if if he doesn't have it doesn't have it move on we'll give him an opportunity elsewhere i yeah robbie fabry's upside probably higher than sammy blair's Zach samford you know what um, i think you know what i think it is too it's like especially for you and i and some other people out there too because i'm sure some other people a lot of other people aren't upset with the fabry trade yeah. but like I think for people that aren't upset with the Fabry trade, they they had moved on. They had already moved on. Robbie Fabry was not going to be a thing here. They had moved on. And for the people that are upset, I understand because you guys were probably holding on. You guys weren't. And that's fine. I'm not saying you were wrong yeah. for not moving on. But I'm just saying you thought, yeah, he'll he'll still be something on the Blues. And I want to see that. Yeah, and I, so when he's gone, you're like, where the hell... <laughs> Where the hell did my dream go? I thought he was going to be... Some, you, you know what I mean? I <laughs> understand it, that. to see it fulfilled. Yeah, you're like, shit, that's so. my fucking dream. It's like an ex-girlfriend. You yeah. Know? Basically, it's like you had a really serious relationship that hit the rocks, and you thought you could save it, and then you didn't, and then... She's having fun married, somewhere else. She's married. A year later, she's married happily, and that sucks. But it wasn't... That doesn't mean your relationship was salvageable, you know? Mm. And... And that's the thing, and I think that's really insightful, and that's a really good point, because basically since the dawn of this podcast, we've basically said he probably doesn't have a chance here, Mm -hmm. because didn't we started the year, I mean, 
coming coming back from we started that summer when he was supposed to come back we Mm -hmm. were hopeful but even then we were saying guys pump the brakes he is not going to just be Mm -hmm. a 60 point scorer immediately and then after the second one we we thought it was over and and basically ultimately we were kind of right as far as with the blues and and like i was saying probably should have gotten a better shot it just wasn't going to happen and his better shot would have come at the expense of Zach Sanford, who, you know, say what you want about how inconsistent he's been this season. He was amazing during the Stanley Cup final. And Sammy Blay, not only was he doing fine this season and on track for 20 goals, but he was a complete difference maker in the second half of the playoffs from being put in in Game 6 against the Stars. He never even looked like a player that you could remove from the lineup. Mm-hmm. And, you know... <sighs> It sucks that Fabry didn't get that opportunity, but he did get he did play in game one. You know, he did play a couple of times in the playoffs and he didn't seize it. And yeah, it was never on the first line. Yeah, it was never with a lot of power play time. Yeah, it was never twenty minutes a night. But the fact is the Red Wings can give him that because they do not have anyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have, you know, he's certainly not getting the time over Shen, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Schwartz, Perron. You know, mm-hmm. at least those five, at least. Um, so I just think I don't know. It's kind of a moot point. I I would suggest if you're upset about the trade, be happy about it. For the love of God, don't compare him <coughs> to players that we do still have here. Don't compare him to young prospects that are trying to make a name for themselves and say, why are we giving Jordan Kyrou? Why are we giving Robert Thomas? Why are we doing this, Why mm-hmm. this, and this when Robbie Fabry is doing so well? Just, it's it's done. There's nothing you can do to change mm-hmm. it. If he's a Hall of Famer with the Detroit Red Wings, man, that sucks. Also, we got a cup out of not salvaging Robbie Fabry's career here. So, you know. Mm-hmm them's the breaks. <laughs> I know. I, don't, I just know? I don't know I don't know how to be upset about this. <laughs> I don't either. I'm, I don't, I don't either. Don't. So why why don't we stop trying? We can be upset about Jim Montgomery's firing. Would you well, like to I move mean, on there? Yeah, I'm not upset. What about a weird <laughs> I don't we can I don't we don't need to linger here too long. Steven, do you have um a, a theory, theory? A wild do, hypothesis? Yeah, do you have a wild Oh sure, yeah. But let's talk about that offline. Um, yeah, that's right, right, right. I'm uh, can't I'm uh, dying to hear on it. On Tuesday morning, the Dallas Stars who entered the day in a playoff position fired head coach Jim Montgomery out of the queer blue sky. Um <laughs> Uh, in light of everything that's been going on with NHL coaches recently, they had to be very careful to tell you the reasons this was not without telling you the reasons it was. I feel truly awful for Jim Nell. Like, legitimately, <laughs> like, what a position to be put in over the last week. Uh, his statement, the Dallas Stars expect all of our employees to act with integrity and exhibit professional behavior while working for and representing our organization. This decision was made due to unprofessional conduct inconsistent with the core values and beliefs of the Dallas Stars and the National Hockey League. Speculation ran wild on Tuesday on Twitter, especially with the timing of Coachgate, but nothing solid came at any point the closest we can get um 
This is from Elliot Freeman on the uh, 31 Thoughts podcast, although he said something similar-ish in the article. He said, the only thing that anyone ever questioned about Montgomery was, you know, he liked to have fun in life. Now, here's why I'm so careful with this stuff. I like to have fun in life. I'm no angel, but I don't believe I've ever crossed the line. At least I hope I never have. I try to treat people respectively. He say that? I guess he did. I think I wrote this down. That's gibberish, Elliot. And I understand that I can't affect my job. Do your job. You can't let it affect your job and you can't let it affect your family. So it's very difficult for me and it always has been very difficult for me to pass judgment on other people who like to have a good time. No one's asking you to pass judgment, but you know. Um, (laughs) But I do know in his particular case, it scared off or concerned some people about him coaching at the NHL level. Um, Neil went on to say it is very clear that this cannot be tolerated and therefore we have relieved Jim Montgomery of his duties immediately Um, and he said it is an honor and a privilege to work in the NHL and there is a standard that we are held accountable to as an employee of the Dallas Stars organization he was asked about, you know, how it reflects on him and it being his hire. He said, it is my hire. I get back to, though, when you do these things, the important thing is doing the right thing. And unfortunately, Jim was my hire. But every instant, every time you do something, uh, he said, we had to do the right thing in this situation. I'll save his best quote for last. Yes, you must. Um, Rick Bonus takes over with a, uh, who was a former Blues player, as is every coach and GM in the National Hockey League. <laughs> Um, he coached for Winnipeg, Boston, Ottawa, the Islanders, and the Coyotes in the late 80s, 90s, and briefly, 20 games with the Yotes in 0304. Those were the the original Winnipeg Jets, not the current Yeah, these are, yeah. OG. Um, John Klingberg, who apparently speaks English, which I guess, of course, he would because he's Swedish. Like this. <laughs> Swedish, yeah. Uh, I'm not doing more accents. Come on. <laughs> I don't even know what a Swedish accent sounds like. You, saw, you know, like the, you know, the chef and Muppets? You know, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy. It sounds like that. <laughs> we know Monty, but we don't know what happened. <laughs> it's about the Dallas Stars here. And the, <laughs> Like I said, we trust the management that they're managing the right decisions for the Dallas Stars. It's up to Jim and the management if they want to release what happened or not. You see this all over, everywhere right now. Not only in hockey or sports, but you see it in normal life as well. It's a good thing it comes up to. There need to be changes around the world, how you treat people and how you think about stuff. <laughs> That's a good thing. It's all <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, we're professionals in here. We have to move on and we have full confidence in the organization that they're making the right moves here. I love how that went that from Swedish to Italian, back to Swedish to like Icelandic so to Minnesotan Canadian, at the yeah. end. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh we all want to know all the answers, but that's not the case. We believe that Jim Neal and our organization made the right moves, so we'll trust in them. That was Jamie Benn. What? We, we all know Jamie Benn sounds just like a true blue Texan, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, And then the real capper on all this. I think, you know, we could speculate. I, I, we know a lot of the things that this isn't. We don't know what it is. I think it's alcohol related i think that's the one thing we're sort of 
Yeah. In the neighborhood of? Uh, yeah. All maybe I've, drug related? All I've read is it's stuff away from the ice yeah. and him possibly just partying hard. Yeah. Essentially. So maybe it's, you know. I don't know what that means necessarily. I mean, I know what it could mean. Let's be honest. <laughs> maybe it's cocaine or yeah. something. <laughs> Although half the players do that too. So I don't know if you can suddenly be like, yeah, you got to be fired. But whatever. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever put it as well as and you hate to make white out of this situation, but you can't not when Jim Nill hands you a gem like this saying, unfortunately, sometimes in life, the hardest decisions are the toughest. And this is one of them. <laughs> well said, Jim. Well said. Tough and hard. <laughs> the, hard <laughs> the hardest decisions are the toughest sometimes, you know? I find some of the toughest decisions to be just the easiest, <laughs> but also the hardest. Oh, it's so hard, baby. You know what wasn't <laughs> hard? Hearing that the Sharks had po- fired Pete DeVore. Celebrate good times indeed. I shouldn't celebrate anyone's firing, but I really dislike Pete DeVore, and I can't tell you why. Um, on Wednesday, is it, a, is it the face? It's the oh, the face, a big part of it. The complaining about the calls and <laughs> oh, the yeah. series. That's really what it was. Um, on Wednesday afternoon, the San Jose Sharks announced that they had fired head coach Pete DeBoer. Many clarifications that this was strictly for hockey performance reasons because... Uh, everything else that's gone on in the past couple of weeks. Bob Bugner is in as head coach after being fired from Florida last year. The Sharks were 15-16-2 at the time of the firing, coming off a winless four-game road trip. DeBoer was undone by sub-replacement level goaltending in an offense that could no longer score enough to compensate for its defensive faults, says Greg Wyshynski. Doug Wilson, Ian, has never fired a coach in season. Oh, I was like, he's fired a coach. <laughs> he's never done it. And I'll tell you this about Doug Wilson, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they call him the dentist. He doesn't like that, though, he doesn't. Stephen. He doesn't like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, got, I had to report the facts. And the facts are, they call him the dentist. Because... Do you know why? Because when he gets a sub-900 save percentage in the chair, he doesn't like it. <laughs> uh... He's got two of them in the chair, currently. Two of them. Two! Exactly. Ottawa has uh, the Sharks' first-round pick, which this... So the Sharks cannot afford to lose this season. They still will. Don't worry. Don't you worry about that. But um, this is from Kevin Kurz's article at The Athletic. The Sharks' issues this season have been numerous. They have been outscored 88-58 to during 5-on-5 play for the second-worst percentage in the league, better than only Detroit. The Sharks' minus 25 goal differential overall is the third-worst mark in the NHL, ahead of just the Devils and Red Wings, who are both in last place in their respective divisions. The power play, run primarily by Spot, who was one of the fired coaches, see Spot get fired, has scored just <laughs> one goal in its last 30 opportunities. Yeesh. Uh, Eric Carlson on that power play. Um, Brett Burns, Brent Burns on that power play. Brent Logan Burns. Couture. Mm-hmm. Still not good. Uh, it sits 23rd overall in the NHL. For the second straight season, the goaltending tandem has been among the worst in the NHL. Martin Jones and Aaron Dell have combined for the lowest even strength save percentage in the league. 0.878. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Imagine letting Marty one J. of every 12 shots go in. 
One of every is that that's better than that's was that one of every eight? What is eight seven? You're the math guy. You're the fine math though. Guy. Um, what's eleven divided by twelve, Ian? It's point nine one six, so it's better than that. It's better than that. It's worse than that. Anyway, um, yeah, point eight seven five is seven of every eight. You're letting a goal in every eighth shot, and you think you can field a competent team. Wow. Um, the Sharks' 338 team goals against average is 29th. Depth scoring has been non-existent. Third-line center's Joe Thornton is still looking for his first goal of the season, and top-line nice. forwards Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc have been inconsistent. Hey, jackass, maybe don't take $1 million for a season. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. You what left you... all that money on the table, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done to yourself, Kevin? <laughs> What's oh, my God. What's become Kevin? Uh, <laughs> while the Sharks' Whoa, fourth line has been a mishmash of mostly young players who have yet to provide the prove they belong at the NHL level. I wonder if any of those young players are Dylan Gambrell, who scored the only goal against us in that game six. I do remember about. being a little scared when Dylan yeah, Gambrell I was like, scored. Ooh, I don't know, this could go haywire. When you have had a lot of past <laughs> success, change is never easy. But we feel Sometimes this team is, is capable of... <laughs> Of much more than we have shown thus far, and the new force is needed. Did they say past success? I guess. (laughs) Like, asterisk, right? It's blue success. You're consistently just good enough to be a disappointment. Yeah. Um, That's the Sharks, baby. That's the Sharks. I'm so glad that we no longer are the sharks that uh-huh. now the sharks are just the sharks, the sharks or that, are... that i had to argue underneath the shark's body that i'm like we were the sharks before <laughs> the sharks and they're like shut the fuck up and i'm like listen to me get out of here midwest um as a team and as individuals our play has not met expectations this year and our level of... hope they look at people and as individuals <laughs> and our level of consistency has not been where it needs to be this group of individuals who will lead our team moving forward are very familiar with our players and we think this change can provide our group with a fresh start under the leadership of pete along with steve dave and johan our friend steve dave and johan <laughs> cla- classic threesome oh man our what friend, a good band has accomplished some great things culminating in reaching the 2016 stanley cup finals not culminating that's not because the last thing you did was get drummed the hell out of the 2019 western conference finals that's you should look up the word culminating while you're dentistrying somebody we want to thank them for their contributions to our organization's success over the last four years fun side note as a result of all the coaching changes Evgeny Nabokov is now on the yeah, show so good for him um, but yeah, any thoughts on DeBoer's firing other than, you know, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Who will hire him next? Not the, de- the Dallas not the, Sharks. Dallas the Stars. Not the Devils, because the Devils had him before. Joe Pavelski's going to see right, Pete DeBoer right. walk in and think, uh, yeah, the Devils did okay, have gotcha. him before. Thank you. And uh, think, what the, I, this is why I left. <laughs> <laughs> if you're thinking about hiring Pete DeBoer, I guess certainly in this climate, you have to go to Joe Pavelski and be like, "Hey, is this guy is this guy above board? Can we bring yeah. this guy in, or is he gonna do the uh, the old oopsie doodle to us too?" Um, any any thoughts on anything we've covered so far? <laughs> I think uh, the next. I'm dying. Yeah, I'm can, sorry yeah. to everyone. I can't talk. Apparently, 
I'm fine when I don't talk for two hours, but apparently his nose do, is taken over. Yeah, he's right. just one big nose sitting in front of me. Oh my god, that what's that one Pokemon, the Rock Pokemon? Yeah, nose pass. Yeah, that's right. He's like a nose, but then he's got a big nose on his nose too. Mm-hmm. So and then the one that he like turns into like has like a mustache. I think some of them Pokemon designed even in the you know set middle generations just real wolf not not great not for me there are so many pokemon even in the new gen that i've like ooh, cool typing nah hard pass hard pass sorry <laughs> um but yeah so not non-pokemon fans now have tuned out Cats are still listening. Cats and kids, that's what this yeah, podcast is. We're all about cats for. and kids. This podcast uh, is for the kids. Uh, I don't like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, any <laughs> final thoughts before we get out of here? How many, what games do we play in between now and then? Chicago, Colorado, Chicago, Colorado, Edmonton. Edmonton, I think will be our following the okay. three for the next podcast. I, I think we go, I think we go 2-0-1. Ooh. The, the... One, Spicy. the one we'll you can decide. I was like, you can decide. <laughs> you on decide. Your own. Dealer's uh, choice. So, were you ready? Ready to get out of here? Yeah. Cool. A few parting shots. These are very quick hitters that maybe we'll add to the podcast forever, or maybe we'll dispense with after this. Like all of our segments, <laughs> who knows? Oh, it's going to go to the segment graveyard. Um, <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, but couple a couple of sad stories just to you know. Putting your thoughts and prayers. I don't know why I said that sarcastically, because actually do. But uh, Tucker Tynan, the Niagara Ice Dogs goalie, uh, suffered a gruesome leg injury. Did you see this one? Not mm. good. Uh, against the London Knights, a, a, a Knights player collided skate first into his thigh and sliced him Ugh, real bad. And there scary. was like a puddle of blood on the ice. So he immediately went into surgery. Um, and he's in stable condition post-surgery. And, uh, you know, there's no immediate prognosis on long-term effects or future of his hockey career. But the most important thing is that he's alive and, you know, has his whole life ahead of him. So that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Oscar Lindblom, the young fly player just found out that he was diagnosed with ewing sarcoma which is a kind of bone marrow cancer which is not good but um who's that oscar lindblom he's a young flyers Flyers, player um and uh yeah he's gonna he's supposed to miss the rest of the season and that just sucks so um our thoughts are with them and then finally on a on to end on a happier note uh quote of the week if the um (laughs) if uh unfortunately sometimes in life the hardest decisions are the toughest and this was one of them isn't the quote of the week then the bruins brett ritchie uh certainly filled us in with the quote of the week when he said it's an 82 game season we weren't going to go 80 and 3 or whatever it was to which tory crew quickly retweeted and said stay in school kids with an s-k-o-o-l so tory krug uh minus your shot on robert thomas last year remains one of the very few likable players yeah, uh, on the bruins along with patrice bergeron i have a soft spot for them both but um yeah uh we will be back next thursday um until then you know you can review you can subscribe do your christmas shopping folks don't put it off don't put it off not a good idea um and uh you know we'll, we'll talk to you soon season's greeting from candy cane lane and uh, uh good night 
game over. <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Take a look in the five and ten, glistening once again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. A pair of hopper long boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Barney and Ben. Dolls that will talk and will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. But mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again.